Well, welcome to the Walrus and the Carpenter. My name is Jason Algood, and I have apparently not entered a puberty yet because my voice just cracked. <laughs> I'm the teaching pastor at Fellowship Bible Church here in Peoria, Illinois, and with me, as always, is Gary the Gearster Gear, pastor of Calvary Baptist Bible Church, also in Peoria, which I'm wondering is, is it Alaska these days? No, I, it's going to be up in the 70s tomorrow. That's true. Yeah. That'll be nice. I hate it when we start off talking about the weather. Because we're I don't getting know why. old. Yeah. What, 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 what I was going to say is I'm still in shock because, number one, you harshed my vibe and you actually doubled down on your right to harsh my vibe. And he used those terms, by the way. And number two... Not after you used it. After I used it yeah, first, yeah. yes. but Because you're way cooler than me. I'm just old and cranky. And number two, you said my introduction last time was awful, which I agree with you. It really was awful. It was not a good introduction. So I'm glad to leave the introductory um, you know, basket in your lap, and okay. you can run with it. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, I'm not bitter. <laughs> well, just a, a real quick word. I We were supposed to get another episode out a couple weeks ago. I ended up being sick, and then uh, schedules did not allow for us to record Yes, thank you. <laughs> Did not allow for us to record last week, and so we're hoping to get. Now that we're back in the saddle, get some more episodes out. Uh, more get more episodes out regularly. Um, maybe you should have introduced. I can't even talk today. No, so. <laughs> I, I will just say that we're not talking about racism today. I was going to mention that as well. That's right. Uh, the timing of this uh, this episode coming out, we are not talking about the MLK fifty. Uh, conference and uh, we kind of refuse to talk about it at this point because it's been talked to death. Tweeted, talked, Facebooked, yeah. yes, probably Instagram and Snapchatted too. Yeah, I don't have the latter of those. Thankfully, I do have Instagram, but that's for putting up pictures of my family and making fun of friends. So, Jason, <laughs> what are we going to talk about? Well, today? this is your topic. You're the one who wanted to bring it up, so well, yeah, I'll let you uh, actually introduce today. It I thought maybe Jason and I could talk a bit on a subject that. When I bring it up, you're going to think it's rather bland, uh, but to me, it's become more and more fascinating over time, and that's the role of the of the Old Testament. Yes, yep. In the lives of believers today, and its study and its application specifically. Mm-hmm. Yes, in yep. our everyday life. Um, we live in, in an expository world, at least in our section of evangelical Christianity, and I think sometimes we are at a loss on what to do with the Old Testament itself, because you have so much uh, narrative, and I'm going to use the term dispensational. I know Jason is not as dispensational as I am, although he and I hold to the same basic uh, irreducible minimum difference between Christ and maybe between the church and Israel and things of that nature for the most part, but we differ on some areas. Um, but I think even with dispensational teachers, they don't know what to do a lot with the Old Testament. I think their congregations don't know a lot what to do with it either, just in everyday life. Yeah. And so I thought we could discuss it for a while and talk very practically about reading, studying, applying the Old Testament and uh, its impact and yeah. our overall understanding of God's revelation. Yeah. I um I'm a I appreciate John MacArthur 
uh, quite a bit. His preaching ministry is well known. Um, but I do believe at one time he said, you know, we're a New Testament church, and so we need to study the New Testament far more than we study the Old Testament. I'm probably paraphrasing and maybe not doing justice to what, speaking of justice, probably not doing justice to his <laughs> social justice, his um, statement very well. But um, but I have a problem with that statement. Um, not that I could argue with John MacArthur about it if you were here to to argue with me about it. Uh, I would, though. I would. I would say um, we need to be careful to not fall into the area of area. Um, sorry, error of Marcion. Um, so let me just uh, read a definition of Marcionism because I think that many Christians today. I mean, we could we could level several you know criticisms against um, evangelicalism uh, today, but but one of them I think is people are functional Marcionites and they don't know it. So let me just read a definition from the Pocket Dictionary of Theological Terms. Um, Marcionism is the movement begun with Marcion in the second century, which rejected the validity of the Old Testament witness for Christians because the God of the Old Testament was believed to be incompatible with the loving God revealed through Jesus. Often persons who focus on the New Testament in their preaching or teaching and who overlook the Old Testament as the cradle for Jesus and the Christian faith, and hence who fail to give proper credence to the Jewishness of Jesus and the early church are accused of Marcionism. And so while I don't think people um, know this necessarily, I would say that many operate um, unwittingly as as Marcionites because they say either that is the Old Covenant, which which there's going to be overlap in our discussion right. of some of these things, but that's the Old Covenant, so it doesn't apply to Christians. Um, or, yeah, that's great for illustration, but it doesn't really apply to us. Or even the full Marcion um, uh, sort of imbibing, which uh, guys like Brian Zond and I think even, um, oh, who's the guy at Baylor? Uh, Olson would say the Old Testament is a picture of what Israel thought God was like, and Jesus reveals to us really who God is, which I would say is is full Marcionism, and those guys are smart enough to know that that's what it is. Right. Um, So I guess the next place to go is, um, or, or I guess the next thing to say and then add a question after this is to say, even though there may be disagreements among dispensationalists and covenantalists of uh, different stripes over the the applicability of the Old Testament, people who are honest with the scriptures uh, would say that there is a function of the Old Testament to some degree in the life even of New Testament believers. So let's begin there. Uh, Why don't you kind of give what you espouse, Gary, in that regard, and then we can sort of banter back and forth, and I can give my input. And I'm sure there's areas where we might disagree on some things here, but... And I will pray for you in those areas in which you disagree with me. Um, I, I would start off. I would start off with the idea that biblical theology, a biblical theolo- a biblical theological approach to the Old Testament, is absolutely necessary for every believer as he yes. reads the Old Testament. If and I'll, I'll define that in just a moment. 
but um, if, if if you want to move beyond moralism, if you want to yes. move beyond uh, the idea that you always have to find Christ in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I believe Christ is very clear in some areas of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. There are some areas where he, he blindingly displays himself in his glory, and other areas we're simply not going to see right. the second person of the Trinity. Right. He's just not going to be in some areas. Um, but I think for a believer to sit down with God's Word and to ask themselves the question, what did what did people know about God up to this point, mm-hmm. is probably one of the most key paradigms that any believer can approach Scripture with. We, 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 we've been preaching through Exodus for the last several months, and one of the things that is so obvious in Exodus, the more you go through it, is God is gradually unfolding his revelation as mm-hmm. to who he is to a mm-hmm. group of people who have no idea what he's really like, who, mm-hmm. who have been part of a polytheistic, syncretistic um, belief for centuries. And then right. he shows his his power and his character and his his uh, his uh, exclusivity. Mm-hmm. And the Book of Exodus is part of that process. And it's been interesting as we've been walking through it with our congregation. It's been more along the lines of saying, "Okay, what do we learn now about God that we did not know two chapters?" Right. Ago, when what do we see of his character, of his power, of what he loves and what he hates? Right. And uh, I mean, to me, that that that's where I would start off before anything else. Sure. Yeah. Let me key off of a couple of things you said. Um, uh, biblical theology and progressive revelation, yes. which I think go hand in hand. Yes, very much. And, so. and clearly, uh, from those comes uh, hermeneutic. And though even again we might disagree with certain aspects of others' hermeneutics, an honest um, hermeneutic uh, cannot dismiss the Old Testament. But but beginning with biblical theology, looking at the big picture, you can't have the full picture of what God is doing in the New Testament without what he did in the Old Testament, clearly. Um, and though there may be disagreements on to what degree... Um, there's a future for Israel and those kinds of things. Um, from an eschatological standpoint, there is a progress of what God is doing that 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 indicates our uh, or our um, upholds our understanding of a biblical theology. And and just to trace it out, you know, sort of at the big picture, it's creation, fall, redemption, consummation, mm-hmm. and sort of that arc is how we read the Old Testament into the New. Um, and so we read our Bibles from left to right. And I don't say that to be a joke. We um, we do recognize this progressive revelation, though I think there is some merit to saying, looking back from the New Testament into the Old, there is some clarity yes. that is brought to some things. And Christ himself does that several exactly, times throughout. Exactly. The, we, I think John there's 3. validity yes. in, a, in a hermeneutic that says, how did the New Testament writers view and interpret yes. the Old Testament? I'm reading a really... Um, great book right now by Abner Chow on on that very topic, uh, which the title of I can't I think it's the Hermeneutics of the Apostles or, or the Prophets or something like that. I can we can put it in the show notes, put the um, link to that book in there. Um, but uh, the idea that um, yes, there's something going on here that we don't we're not dismissive of, right? Um, and so with that in mind, um, I don't know if we want to jump right to the question of, is there application from the Old Testament? Well, I... I we'll I, get there. Maybe you have some other no, questions. No, I, w- yeah. I would say, because again, this is part of a bigger issue in why we go to Scripture. Mm-hmm. 
do we, do 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 we open it up each day to find the solutions to our problems? Mm. Uh, are we looking for a moralistic standpoint on right. certain things, or are we looking to see who the character of God yes. is, so we can imitate the, yes. the, the, the 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 character of God at that point? Right. Um, and when you look at application, mm-hmm. application, what's it based on? Okay. Um, now I grew up in a household. We went to Bill Gothard. All oh. right. Really? All right. I'm praying for you. Yeah, way, 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 (laughs) way back in the day. I remember Gothard teaching that uh, out of the Old Testament, uh, the passage, I think it's in Exodus, and again, maybe in Leviticus, you you shall not boil the kid in the mother's milk, talking about a baby goat. Right. Well, Bill Gothard, in all of his wisdom, said this means that God did not want us to eat food with two different uh, digestive rates. So cheeseburgers were not wise for believers to eat. Hmm. And thus I was banned from cheeseburgers for a while. Really? Yes, yes, because – and which, which, which if, if I want to sit someone down and say this is not the way <laughs> you should read the Old Testament, that would be my primary uh, yeah. example yeah. of what that would be like. Right. You're looking for moralism. Right. But, but if, you're, if you're looking to see what God is like and mm. who he is and what he loves, and on a second level, to understand who we are. Yes. Um, it is. It is not only a picture of a divine of a divine supernatural God, the Creator and Redeemer, but it's. But Israel is us. Mm-hmm. We are Israel. And you want mm-hmm. to know what, what what unregenerate man how he responds to God? Just look at Israel. Yeah. And actually, I have a, a more clear picture of myself mm. and my need for the Holy Spirit working in my life when I read through Israel and this. I'm not saying this to be controversial. I probably receive a better, a more clear picture of that from the Old Testament as opposed to the New Testament. Right. Because the New Testament mentions it, and Paul brings out... A lot of the doctrine, you know, Romans one through through six, let's say, even mm-hmm. if we if we stretch that out, and and Ephesians two, and all of that. Mm-hmm. But the way it looks is by looking at Israel, starting with the mm-hmm. Book of Exodus and moving mm-hmm. onward. Mm-hmm. That's that's what Romans one through three looks like. Th- right. th- this is the example. Yeah, and he says that in in First Corinthians, doesn't he? Yes. These, these things our fathers did, and so by example, by way of example, yeah. And so that's a really great um, when we look into the mirror of Scripture. We recognize who God is, yes, and who we are, right. And and uh, even if that is the Old Testament, you know, I know you're not saying that in a covenantal sense when you say oh. I am Israel, but no. the, the picture of you know Israel being the disobedient child, the disobedient firstborn of God, mm-hmm. if you will, um, who need who then needs the um, the the obedient firstborn of God right. to come and and fulfill what they failed to do. Um, but but yeah, so there is there's maybe messianic type overtones right. in that regard as right. well. And I, I would say they're there, and I would even take one more point, and I think you'll agree with me on this. You really can't understand Calvinism until you look at Israel and the old covenant and the need for the new covenant. Yes, absolutely. And in fact, we have a lady in our church who struggled against the sovereignty of grace for a long time. <coughs> and what really grabbed her imagination and her attention was the book of Isaiah. Mm. And yeah. and those areas where these things are all mapped out, and, mm-hmm. and she's realizing, well, mm-hmm. this is what's being played out in all of this, right? Right. So, yeah, I guess this does make sense. Yeah, and you bring up a great point too in in regard to that of um, the the revelation of God being progressive, and that's where we start. 
Yes. That's where we start when we open our – we're in such a consumeristic mentality uh, in, in our – even in our churches. Well, I will, I will pause you there. It's, yeah. not, it's not it's only consumeristic, but this is the danger of systematic theology. Mm. We're trying to put puzzles together, and it's not a bad thing to put the puzzles together. Right, right. But we forget that we pick up the pieces in different centuries and millennia. Right, and so we have to marry biblical theology with systematic yes. theology. And yes. I would – my perspective as somebody who's studying biblical theology is that that is more the foundation, though we need the categories yes. to, to make sense of of the puzzle as it were. Yes. But yes, if you're if you're if I hate to call out Wayne Grudem, but if you're doing the Grudem thing where you're just searching for categories throughout the scripture, there's the danger of of missing the big picture right. as well. I think that's one of his problems when he struggles with uh, Old Testament versus New Testament prophecy. Mm-hmm. You know, saying the New Testament prophecy doesn't need to be accurate. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. he's missing what Scripture all the way through said about the character of God. Right, right, exactly. And so when we begin with that, and that it goes back to what you said at the beginning, we struggle because it's narrative, and and we struggle with it being narrative because we start with what's in this for me. Yes, versus consumer based. Yeah, versus what is what? What do I learn about God from this? Um, and and th- that that doesn't set aside the fact there's some very difficult things in the Old Testament for us to to no, look at. Uh, <laughs> never, <laughs> you know, what is this? Pick up dust off the floor, mix it in your drink, and and drink it, and it's going to tell whether or not you've been an adulteress or not. Yeah, you know, path. What do you do with that? And I, I mean, Ligon Duncan did a phenomenal job with that, I think, in preaching it. But you know, we come across these things and we're like, so I have a sore with a white. That's white and has a hair in it, you know, kind of, you know, right. <laughs> passages. And we're going. So, how does this apply to me? Versus looking at the big, big picture and saying, "This is God saying, Israel, this is how I want you to be separate from the world right. around you." Or, and, and part of it too, we're looking for special effects. Mm. Uh, this last Sunday, uh, I preached on um, uh, Exodus fifteen and sixteen about the uh, the uh, manna, and it's mm-hmm. easy to just get focused on the manna. I mean, you're you're talking probably close to twenty million pounds of manna a week that yeah. God's dumping on Israel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we get all tied up with that, but we forget all the way through the passage God's using the term test, test, mm-hmm. test, mm-hmm. test, mm-hmm. and we don't want to think of the word test. We just want to say, where's 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 the frosted flakes? Right. Right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> When, when, when really it's it's a revelation of the way people thought about God. Exactly. That, that's the idea. And then Jesus takes that, you know, yes. in John 6, and he yes. says, hey, your problem is the same as your forefathers. Right. You just wanted the bread, just like they wanted the bread, and you're missing the point that I'm the bread. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that back then, what you knew of God was he was the bread. Right. You know, ultimately, he's he's the one who's providing this for you. Is there any God like Yahweh yes. that would provide from heaven you know, manna, and right. then when you gripe and complain about that, then he provides the pigeons for you to eat. You yeah, know? the quail and all the, that. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I was using that kiddingly, but you know, the idea that who is this Yahweh? Right. You know, um, and that's the point we miss because we think it's about okay, praying and God's going to provide bread for us, and He may, right? But He may not in the right. way that we think He's going to provide bread. He, he, he we do our, we are to. Ask for our daily bread, but and and, yeah. and and even again looking at the progressive element of it, God through the pillar is purposely leading them into areas where they cannot provide for themselves. Mm-hmm. He 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 wants them to not be dependent, and again, that runs so counter to the consumer yes base idea. 
Or the rugged individualism yes. of America as well, right? That I need to be dependent on anybody and, and who is this, you know, it's, we're Pharaoh. Who's this Yahweh that I should listen to him? Now, let's, let, let's kind of jump around a bit and look at some of the um, various uh, genres of okay. Old Testament. Yeah. And, we, and, and, and we've talked about narrative somewhat. Yes. Um, break into poetry a bit. How, how yes. looking at the, at the poetic books, and by the way, that Job, Job Psalms, Ecclesiastes, mm-hmm. Song of Solomon. Yeah. It's a great. And, Proverbs. And, and that, is a, uh, that is a question that always gets brought up in, when you're talking about biblical theology and right. the, the arc, because how does it fit into the arc? Right. Um, because it seems to be. Two by two, anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> Bad joke, bad joke. That was hey, horrible. That's all right. We're both dads. We give the yeah. dad jokes, right? So, dad humor. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, how do those um, fit in? I mean, I think it's easier to come up with application in in those books in regard to um, how they apply to our lives. So, it's that when we come to the poetry, especially Proverbs and Psalm, uh, the Psalms. Um, if you if you have a proper view of uh, Song of Solomon, uh, and I know there's arguments over that. And even Ecclesiastes, I think there's a lot of application. And even the book of Job, because of suffering. Um, There is uh, an easier applicative aspect to those um, for the, you know, New Testament Christian. But the question then becomes, how does this fit into the progressive revelation of of uh, God because it doesn't seem to fit into that arc until but, you put it in its proper place. Right. I would I would and and to me the beauty it becomes more beautiful. For instance, and, and by the way, there's some speculation here, I acknowledge that. Um the book of Job, which everyone pretty much believes was the first one written. Yeah. All right. Now that it's the first one that happened. Right. But to ask the question, what did God want people to know about him first? Right. Written right. down. Yeah. You know, what what did he want to know about his character? Yes. And then you see the Psalms scattered all the way through the centuries. Yes. And the thing I love about the Psalms is it it fills in the place in the narrative. Mm-hmm. That normally we would look for in a good book, okay, where a guy talks for three paragraphs about his emotions. Well, there's not time for that in in the narrative book. So you mm-hmm. go to the Psalms and you see the joy and the lament and the pain and the sorrow and the justice and the delight mm-hmm. and all of those things. You can plug them in anywhere along those lines. Right, exactly. And of course, looking at Proverbs, you got to be careful because those aren't commands or those aren't promises. Well, they're, they're, they're commands, but they're not promises. Right. It's like... Yeah, this is the pattern you should live, and this right. is what generally happens. Right. Yeah, and, and that's—I mean—that's how the whole book is outlined, isn't right. it? And it begins with that. This is yeah. wisdom for your life, right? right? This is this is not necessarily the way things are going to work out, right. but this is how you proceed live. through yes. life. Um, and I love that picture too of of Solomon. It's almost like he's lifting the chin of his son and saying, uh. "Son, pay attention. Look, look at me." You know. And then you do have the devastation of, of Ecclesiastes. Uh, everything is emptiness. The at the end of my life, I'm looking back and saying all these things that I attempted to fill my life with. So application, I think, is easy. But how does it fit into the story of of what God is doing? And I and I think uh, one of my uh, friends said he, you know, Song of Solomon. I think is the hardest one. In that regard, but he says, I, I think I look at that as God is making all things new, and this is how marriage is to be applied into that idea. I like that. Um, I want to make a very white joke, but I'm just going to move right along. 
Uh, I could have done a really good Barry White with, with my cold last week, but um, Loads, yeah. But the point I'm not going to sing. The, it, but. the point being that you know, many times when people talk about being in the Old Testament, they're not talking about being in Numbers. They're talking about being in the Psalms, and that's that's fine. They ought to be right. in the Psalms, but but how can we also be in Numbers and you know? What about prophecy then? Let's move on to the mm-hmm. next genre: prophecy. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, you go. I just went. Oh, my go? Well, yeah, I, go. I asked you. Um, okay. Again, prophecy, we look for the special effects. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, if you focus on what is this reveal of God's character, mm-hmm. and you see his holiness, you see his justice, mm-hmm. and you see his mercy and his love all tied together, especially you know in those, those places in Ezekiel and yeah. in... Uh, in, in Isaiah and Jeremiah, where mm-hmm. he, he brings in the, the New Covenant, where he writes the law and the fleshy tablets of, of, of their heart. Right. Um, I would also, looking at the minor prophets, yeah. are incredible pictures of God's mercy and love. I, I preached through Zechariah a year before last, and Malachi a little bit before that. And... Uh, I guess to me that's one of the reasons why I'm as dispensational as I am because you look at such concrete prophecies and you know we I don't sit there and get through the prophecies and say okay you know how can I find the clues mm-hmm. as far as what's going right. on today right, right. you you sit there and you look okay yeah look at what God has promised look what He's going to do look how that mm-hmm. how that ties in with His covenant faithfulness mm-hmm. and His expectations of my love mm-hmm. and my hope. Mm-hmm. And I think as well in the prophets, you see that proclamation against nations and against those who would rebel against God, even Israel and Judah. Um, And hey, there is destruction coming because of this. One of our guys gave a really great lesson, an overview of Obadiah on, um, on Sunday morning in our equip hour and talked about how you know, it's possible that God waited 1,500 to 1,800 years before he brought destruction against Edom, against Esau's uh, lineage. And he said, uh, you know, there's a picture of God's long-suffering. Yeah. You know, here we are waiting for Christ's return 2,000 years later, and we're itching, you know, to for that to happen. He goes, we haven't even scratched the surface yeah. of God's long-suffering when it comes to the evils of, of mankind. And some of the things that we do learn that are probably applicable to us is, you know, we always cry out for justice until it comes to us. And then we're like, well, give us mercy, God. Right. You know, and here are the Edomites, you know, uh, you know, 1,500 years at at a minimum, having, you know, continued to uh, welcome people over the borders. Come on in and and do destruction to Israel. We're not going to stop you. Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. And and God is is long-suffering with them and patient. And then you think about the application of that in the New Testament sense. I just preached through Romans 9 Sunday morning. God bore with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. And that patience, again, of God, that he doesn't wipe the uh, non-believer off the face of the earth, but is patient with them uh, until the ultimate end of condemnation occurs. I I think also in addition to that... um, this whole false dichotomy between a wrathful mm, Old Testament yes, God and exactly. a grace, gracious New Testament God. Right, right. 
I there's parts that make me weep. I I I love the part where he talks about Egypt and Assyria, and he mm. says you guys are gonna be you know, and you're gonna be part of the highway to to God. Literally, in Isaiah is the term he uses. Right. You know, I'm I I'm going to draw you back in, and you're gonna be one of my in my nations. Not and 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 I like Israel, but you'll you'll be part of me. And then there's a passage where he talks to those who are eunuchs and foreigners. I love. I love where he talks to the eunuch and he says, you don't have a family and you're alone and you're mocked. And if you follow me and love me, I will graft you on forever. You will Mm. never lack for a family. And Mm. to see that God takes this person who is ridiculed in Israel or in any Eastern culture. Right. And he looks at them and he pauses for a moment and Mm -hmm. and he says to them, I love you and I will never abandon you. I'm your father. Mm. There's there's hardly anything like that. It's yeah. just it's 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 a it's a beautiful picture of God's love, and yeah. it's so explicit. It it is so. I mean, it's just laid out there so clearly. Right. So the 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 accusation leveled against the God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New Testament doesn't stand when you look at the. It's pretty much horse crap, and it means yeah. it's someone who's not really read scripture. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. that's the theological term, right? Horse crap. <laughs> Well, I think what we're trying to do is somehow get God off the hook for being righteous and holy. Yes. Um, when He does say, "Hey, your time is up." Yes. You know, to to this this nation that has rejected and rebelled against Him. And now, when we talk about nations, even the nation of Israel, we recognize even within those nations, maybe those who are repentant within Israel, there is the remnant. Right. You know, when we say God wipes a nation off the face of the earth, it doesn't mean that it's possible that it could be every last person of that right. nation. Uh, but it, it could be as well that there are those like Rahab who are redeemed out of that nation. Right. We're not beyond thinking that God could do that, right? Yes. He, he can save from... Uh, every tribe, tongue, and nation. In fact, yes. that's what Revelation says. <laughs> right? Yeah, he 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 does all all through history. Yeah, and but but to sit there and again going to something we said at the beginning that this this, this ties back to what we find beautiful about Scripture. Mm-hmm. And when we sit down and we talk with each other about Scripture, we talk mm-hmm. with what God's been 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 doing today. Um, and there's nothing wrong with this, but it's so kindergartenish. Where well, how how's your worship? Well, I just really need some encouragement today, which is true. Mm-hmm. But how much of scripture, like for instance, um, you know, reading through parts where God says He promises to wipe out a whole nation, mm-hmm. it's that's that that in itself is not encouraging. But to look at the fact here, we have a God who's just and who is going to do what he needs to do. Right. And the gospel covers our failings and we don't match up to that. Mm-hmm. And I mean mm-hmm. it, it's 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 such a two dimensional view of scripture. Right. Two dimensional view of our God. And we and we go back to the beginning again to understand that that man has fallen, that there is none who deserves God's mercy or it wouldn't be his mercy. Right. God is who he is. We are who we are post fall. Mm. Um and uh for God to rescue any at all shows mercy and grace. Um, that he doesn't wipe the rebellious one off the face of the earth the moment that they show their rebellion yes. is mercy. Even if, it's not, even if it's not a forever mercy for those who will ultimately reject and rebel against God, they will right. receive his wrath. Um, but, but just even that, the patience of God, as I mentioned earlier, so... No, it's really good. No, excellent. Good so, if you were to sit down with uh, a believer and they said, "Okay, 
Uh, what should I read of the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. What, what, what would you recommend? Yeah, my initial uh, thing would be read the Pentateuch as a whole. Read this as a story that God is communicating to the nation of Israel via Moses. This is the foundation of it all. Um, I think you cannot understand the books that follow without understanding the Pentateuch as the foundation for all of what we understand the scriptures to be, including the New Testament, because there is where the beginning is. And I don't mean that to be you no. know, a joke, because obviously right. Genesis is the beginning. But um, I would my view is that most of the Pentateuch is written by Moses, except for the end parts, probably. I, I, I view it that the Chronicler came back and stitched things together. Okay. Um, uh, because of certain certain things, um, but to understand the foundation of it, here's who God says He is, and He reveals Himself um, as a relational God in Genesis. Um, but that relationship is broken. He reveals himself again to be relational when he says to Abraham, I'm going to make a nation out of you. Hey, guess what? There are no Jews. You're going to be my first Jew. Right. You know? <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to make a nation out of you, and I'm going to bless the world through you. Um, sort of that you know promise um, arc, I think, that's uh, there. Um, and before that, still you know Noah and the, 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 the evil of man, just to understand, uh, like you said from the beginning, I love that, who is God and who is man. Um, and of course there's always the, you know, read a proverb a day kind of a advice that I might give somebody just to right. have that wisdom. Um, but that's where I would say, begin with the Pentateuch. Don't look at this. This is five separate books. Look at it as a whole and understand who, who God is and who you are in, right. in light of that. What about you, Gary? No, I would basically hold the same thing. I, one thing I do in my own personal worship though, and, and this is a little bit different, um, regardless of what I'm reading through, I also at the same time read through one of the poetic books for the whole month. Yeah. I mean, I may read through the Psalms, I may read through Ecclesiastes, I may read through Song of Solomon. That's great. Proverbs, you know, just just normal. I mean, that's just the additional mm-hmm. reading that I do. Sure. But normally my reading You're is, a better is, Christian than me, Gary. Well, you know, I, I didn't want to tell you that. <laughs> but but I, I also read shorter in the New Testament. I, I tend to read just just paragraphs. Mm-hmm. I go over a paragraph for a full week. So yeah. and I'll that'll probably change sometime in the future. But I think as well, I would probably encourage people to um, go to the gospels and see how Jesus and his followers interact with the Old Testament. Yes. Trace that out. Yes, um, I, as would, well. I would I would agree. So I would I would just throw this little thing in. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if you're frustrated. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> there, there, there's a lot of good men who've written a lot of books over it. And uh, yeah, we're still trying to figure all that out. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Any closing thoughts as we no, wrap just, up here? I am. I I don't want us to lose the blessing of so much of God's revelation in our daily life. Yeah. Um, when, when when we understand who our God is mm-hmm. on an everyday basis. And it's interesting that as a believer, you get to the end of the Old Testament, and the gospel just makes so much sense in light of what you know about the Old Testament. It's, right. just, it's just the natural application. Now, unlike Chesterton, I would not say I would have ever thought of what the gospel, I would have never imagined the gospel. But it just makes sense, like, well, okay, all of this fits perfectly together. And when I want illustrations of doctrine in the New Testament, I go back to the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and I find I, I find beautiful pictures of whatever that may be. Yeah. And that kind of inscribes itself in my mind. Yeah. No, it's very, very good. And, uh, Gary, I appreciate that you uh, 
take your congregation through the Old Testament. I do the same. And so for any pastors that are that are listening out there, don't be afraid to approach the Old Testament as a book to be preached, uh, as books to be preached through on Sunday morning as a part of your normal exposition. Um, don't reserve it for Sunday night. I know some guys that do, hey, I do Old Testament on Sunday night. Um, you know, it's going to be a smaller crowd, and but you need to expose the which, breadth of your people to which, the Old Testament. Which, which is ironic. They would, they would look at that. And by the way, I've struggled with that sometimes myself. But then you realize so much of the Old Testament is about why is worship necessary. Mm-hmm. And the Sunday morning is your normal worship service, so you're going to take all of the worship elements and stuff it where half your people are. Right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, like uh, Walt Kaiser, my favorite Old Testament uh, professor, theologian, says, um, you know, the majority of the Bible is the Old Testament. Yes. Don't ignore it. He says, uh, the other way he puts it is, I like the New Testament. It reminds me a lot of the Old Testament. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening today. Uh, we hope that uh, if you have any questions or comments for us, that you'll reach out to us through uh, our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Radio, or you can reach us at wallcarpradio.wordpress.com. And uh, just thanks for listening in, and we'll see you next episode. God bless. on yours there. All right, checking the mic. Hey, I got to tell you, don't you were like pulling on this last time and you almost pulled it out. Okay. So don't don't yank on that. Hey, don't don't harsh my vibe. I will harsh your vibe all I want. <laughs> uh, all right. Ready? I'll get us started this time. Please. Your introduction last time was horrible. <laughs> it was it was it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I'm kidding with you. No, it's I'm fun. I'm, it's I'm fun not when you no. do it. I like it when you do it. Are you ready? Yeah. All right.